listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. It's been a while. It's the New Year's (laughs) edition. I know, and um, I'm going to sound a little raspy this episode, but uh, don't adjust your radio or your iPhone or whatever you're listening on. This is... I sound like I'm talking through gravel. <laughs> so, so some of you might be thinking, what in the hell happened to you guys the past like three weeks? Where did you go? <laughs> well, if you follow us on Instagram, you probably already have a really good idea of what happened. But just in case uh, you're new and you just stumbled across this keto podcast for the first time, um, a lot's happened. Yeah, we, we were not on a whirlwind European vacation, unfortunately. We were experiencing um, uncommon sickness in the Barron's household. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Um, so let's just start off with um, <laughs> you got sick first. Right. So I got a... The reason we missed the, the one week, uh, it just happened. I hit it on a Monday, which was you know usually when we do this. And I got a head cold, you know, a pretty significant one. Like, well, I can't talk on a podcast because I sound like I'm talking through a small horn. It was, yeah. Yeah, we've we've both experienced that. So you, you went on a work trip and you flew on an airplane, which um, that's usually where a lot of people are going to, maybe in your day-to-day life, you're, you're exposed to the same things and your immune system can handle it. But when you get stuck on a small flying tube with a whole bunch of people who are probably sick, and, you know, it just kind of overwhelms your your immune system because you're traveling already anyway, and your immune system kind of gets suppressed when you travel. Yeah, you know, not sure uh, really where you can pick that, where I did pick that up, but however, that's a good... That's you our know, guess. That's our guess is that the travel, because I got back on a Thursday, Sunday night is when I really started feeling the, uh, the nasal passages start <laughs> to completely uh, block traffic, you know, yeah. they went on strike. And I kind of thought, wow, he's really like milking this sickness. He's like laying in bed. And then I got it. And I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, about the next week, Melody starts to feel the same thing that I did. So another week where you're like, well, we can't podcast this week. Now we both sound like we're speaking through a different object. Uh, yeah, it was really bad. Well, and here's the thing. Like with mine, it was kind of like that sinus thing that you had going on. And mine just kind of progressed for the week, and I started to feel better on Saturday. I was like, I think I'm starting to get better. Oh, but it gets worse. And then the next day, um, it was our anniversary, and so we had to go to the grocery store. We got out of the grocery store, and I had the uncontrollable shivers. You made it sound like we went to the grocery store because it was our anniversary. Well, we had to get some food. (laughs) And so we get out of the grocery store, and I just can't. It just like... I'm like, I almost turned around and said, hey, we got to go home. I don't feel good. And I started kind of feeling a little fevery. And I was like, crap, it's getting worse. And that's the thing. I ended up with pneumonia. 
Mm, yes, yes. It's a great story how mm-hmm. Melody woke me up about five in the morning and said, I think I need to go to the hospital because I'm coughing up blood and I can't breathe. Yeah. Those are two good indicators of yeah. why you should go to the hospital. So it got progressively worse through Sunday into Sunday night and about five in the morning on Monday is when I finally broke down and was like, man, I can't do this on my own anymore. This is worse than just like a cold. And, you know, pneumonia, if you don't know, there's some certain signs. One of them definitely is the coughing up, a blood mixed to mucus, um, fever, chills. But then the one telltale sign is when you go to breathe and it feels like stabbing pain in your lung or somewhere on in your like thoracic cavity, that is a good indicator. It could be in your back. It could be in the front, just depending on where the pneumonia is at. And so that's kind of my indicator. I knew, okay, this is, I already knew I had pneumonia. I could tell. So we get there to the hospital and I do get diagnosed with it. And they ended up keeping me. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody, everybody loves to go to the hospital and stay there. Right. <laughs> she walked in, the nurse walked in with an IV and I was like, I'm staying. <laughs> so my white blood count was up to 29,000. If you know anything about blood count, white blood cells, it signify an infection. So I definitely had a really serious infection going on to the point where when they did my um, x-ray, they came back and were very somber in the room and were kind of like, hey, um, this doesn't happen often, but we found a mass mm-hmm. in your chest and we're going to need to do a CT scan to further investigate. And they started asking me about cancer in my family. So of course I fell apart. And well, it's always stressful. Uh, you know, you go into the hospital and you hear the stories all the time about someone went in for, uh, you know, something not so significant and was diagnosed with cancer. So they were, they were going down that road. They said, we found a mass. We don't know what it is, but we need to do some further investigation. So we did the CT scan and we had to wait for about 30 minutes and it was the longest 30 minute wait for them to come back in and say, hey, my doctor was great. He was like, hey, so it's just a swollen lymph node. Congratulations. It's so exciting. You just have pneumonia. (laughs) And I was like, wow. So I just have pneumonia. So it was, it was a lymph node down on my right side of the lower uh, lung area in that lobe and a lymph node had swollen up really big which is why you know they saw something on an x-ray which I had the CT scan and it, obviously it was just a lymph node but my bottom right lobe of my lung was just full of it was completely white on the um, x-ray. x-ray so they had to further investigate because of the blood count and did find out that I had gone into sepsis so I had the bloodstream infection. So that, that bacteria had gotten into my bloodstream, which made it a lot more serious. Yeah, so that required a, a multiple-day <clears throat> hospital stay, which, which coincided with New Year's Eve. Right. So at New Year's Eve, I don't know what all of you guys were doing, but I was, I was having blood drawn right at the stroke <laughs> of midnight. It was awesome. Yeah, so, so, uh, so wound up in the hospital taking uh, intravenous antibiotics because of streptococcal pneumonia that had gotten into the blood. So Yeah, it was so, pretty much around the clock, three different antibiotics. And um, it's so, you know, they finally they had to redo the blood test to see if it was clearing up. And finally, after three nights in the hospital, I was allowed to go home. I am home now. <laughs> yeah. So, so some of you got my, my ask, how does this happen? How does, how does someone who, who seemingly, and we think we are doing just about everything right as far as how to maintain your health, 
And, you know, Melanie and I have been together for nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've seen her sick for a day or two once in that entire span. And I haven't had an, a round of antibiotics since I was a kid. So uh, this this is not a common occurrence. Uh, and, you know, and we always talk about on this podcast about how great we feel and how healthy, you know, we are and, and we think we are. But you have to understand that this can happen to anyone pretty much no matter what you're doing. And you have to be aware of that. Yeah, and pneumonia is kind of that thing where, you know, I didn't have the flu. They checked me for that, which was a pleasure. And then, but, you know, they, um, the pneumonia thing kind of is what I call a creeper. Flu will kind of wash over you suddenly, but pneumonia kind of creeps in, tagging along usually another infection, like a sinus infection or influenza or something when your immune system is weak. Generally, what happens, from my understanding, is that a lot of times, like maybe while you're sleeping, you are breathing and you have that drainage and you aspirate a little bit, and that's just another word for, hey, it went down the wrong pipe. So maybe some of that uh, drainage got down into your lung area, and your immune system's fighting something already, so it's a little bit weak, and the pneumonia bacteria can just kind of take hold. And then you're already fighting, and it's just one of those, the doctor called it a perfect storm, and that's just kind of what can happen. So even though we do everything we can to try to be as healthy as possible, sometimes you're still going to get sick, and these bacteria are really strong, especially because so many people are overprescribed antibiotics, and mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that, that a lot of these bacteria are becoming resistant to antibiotics that they would normally not be resistant to so that when you do get an infection, uh, wherever you got it from, that bacteria has created its own defenses against these uh, antibiotics. Now, and, and this is why it's, it's very important that, that Melody was a healthy person going into this. That way her, her body was able to, to fight the infection along with the antibiotics because she was only in there for three days a lot of people are in the hospital for weeks, and some people even go into coma, you know, are induced because of pneumonia. Right. So what I was told by um, one of the hospital advocates was that every four to five years, the uh, streptococcal pneumonia has a surge, and this is that year. So while influenza is going around, then there's a huge increase of pneumonia. They see it a lot more now. She said in younger population, though, and while I was in the hospital, there were a lot of people younger than me who had pneumonia, who were hospitalized, who had a much longer stay than I did. Mm -hmm. So so that's why it's important to, you know, have a a healthy lifestyle. So if you do get taken down, you're going to be able to recover appropriately. And even if you have to go in the hospital because of a severe illness, kind of like what Melody ran into, is you're going to be able to recover faster. Right. And one thing we want to talk about is while you're in the hospital, it's not an environment for recovery. No, no. It's really not. And um, there is, depending on the kind of hospital you're at, and I know there's a lot that are better or worse, but the food itself isn't there to help you recover. And it's really disheartening because we talk about the medical system, how it's broken, but when you're actually having to be like full-fledged, like feed in all the way in, in the hospital, and you're having to choose from that food, 
it's if you're alone and that's your choice, it's going to be very difficult because you are not set up for success there at all. No, the the food is very poor. Even though the food staff they, they were really nice and they tried to do a great job, and the, and the hospital was accommodating as far as like getting your food, but the food you would get it was it was low fat, yeah, and it was low sodium. Um, it was very bland, and and you could tell that they used poor oils on the food. Well, you know they follow the U.S. Department right, of this Agriculture is, yeah. food guidelines. They're following so guidelines. You have to. They have to follow that. But the interesting thing is, is that all of you guys are y'all are so smart. Y'all already know what is the one thing that will break down your immune system. It's sugar, and those rancid oils. And everything they have is full of that or it's low fat and they have like, you know, there's no butter in sight, no real butter. It's buttery spread. But they offered me at one point probiotics mixed in pudding. And I was like, yeah, we'll definitely pass on that (laughs) because, you know, they asked me if I wanted Sprite, of course, you know, and you're just like, wow, the disconnect between why I'm having an immune system issue while while I'm trying to fight something and you're giving trying to give me things that actually break down my immune system and weaken it. There's such a disconnect. And we know you guys know that, but it was just it was really disheartening to be there and see that and know that there are people in these other rooms who maybe don't know this. And like the man across from me was getting graham crackers and Sprite and pudding every like couple of hours. And he was getting very upset if they did not bring it to him. Yeah, because it was available and he could have it. So the nurses were talking about it, how you need to get him his pudding. He's getting upset. (laughs) So, so what did we do to kind of combat the, the poor food that, you know, was what the hospital was providing? Uh, what did we do? Well, I made sure every morning, uh, you know, got up, I made a, a large fat coffee with uh, butter and MCT oil and some collagen peptides and just brought some, some eggs and bacon, you know, boiled eggs, and, eggs bacon. and bacon. I would not have survived this hospital stay if you had not done that. <laughs> I mean, I would have just not even, I, I would still be there, I think, because I was able to not eat the food there. I was able to kind of be more picky and eat a small amount of like some turkey off of a sandwich and some broth, which, you know, I mean, still had terrible salt in it. But you bringing that to me set me up for the day for success where I could go a long period of time without eating. And you don't have much appetite anyway. It's very hard to rest and recover and have an appetite while you're there. Yeah, so we, we made sure we did the best we could as far as providing some nutrient-dense food because the hospital was really not providing a really good selection of nutrient-dense food. No, it would have been very hard to... I mean, you could order an omelet, but I'm pretty sure they were powdered eggs. It was really, like, just not appetizing at yeah, all. Yeah, and, and, you know, that combined with the fact that you don't get any rest. Even though you're just laying in the hospital bed 24 hours a day... Uh, you don't get rest because they're always checking on you. They're always drawing blood, taking your vitals. And we understand they have to do that, but that again, that does not provide an environment where you're going to get a lot of rest so you can recover. Right. So (laughs) I think it was New Year's Eve morning. I mean, New Year's Day morning. I I sent you a text and said, hey, just a fair warning. I had a really rough night of everybody coming in and out. I didn't get any sleep, and I'm crying a lot. (laughs) 
<laughs> Just be warned. Well, you know, everybody knows that gets rough. After a couple days uh, of, of not getting good rest, not getting good food, not being at your house, uh, you start to break down uh, as far as your resiliency. You become less resilient. And, uh, and that's normal. That's completely normal. And that's why you have to have a good so, uh, support structure in place, you know, to, to kind of lean on somebody. So seriously, if you ever if you are ever unfortunate enough to have to have a hospital stay, bacon and boiled eggs and fat coffees brought to you are a lifesaver. It's it's hundred percent a lifesaver. Maybe if you know you're going to have a hospital stay, just plan ahead. You know, definitely <laughs> plan ahead. This was definitely not a planned hospital stay. This was stay. an unplanned stay, yeah. so uh, that made it you know all the more uh, difficult. Right and. But, Go ahead. Well, I just say one of the uh, now we're going to talk about kind of like the, you know just overall things that happened while we were in one of the one of the really interesting things was uh, how much weight Melody gained just with this short hospital stay. Right, and you you know Steve saw about how much food I was actually taking in, and it wasn't a lot, so it definitely wasn't a food issue. But IV fluids can cause you to hold a lot of water. I came home with a whopping thirteen pounds of water retention which is almost all gone now but it felt so weird it just felt really strange and I've never had that happen before and it didn't happen until the last day it was like I was fine I was fine and then the morning that they were going to release me it was like somebody just filled me up with a water balloon it was so weird and strange so it's taken me a little bit to get the electrolytes balanced back and um you know the hospital air just sucks you dry you feel like you're you're drinking so much water and you're on this IV fluid and all these things. You should be hydrated, but you're just like so dried out. Yeah. So being on IVs and she was just drinking a ton of water because you're so thirsty, uh, it just upsets the balance in your body. And that's what causes all that fluid retention. Yeah. And so knowing how to rebalance your electrolytes when you get home is super important. And that's like where some of the supplements that we talked about, like our Redmond Real Salt, that's been a lifesaver, and I used that in the Go Ultima while I was in the hospital to try to maintain some electrolyte balance. And then, of course, I've hit that really regularly after being home, which has made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and nobody wants to be on antibiotics. We, we've talked about that so many times before on the podcast and how it just, you know, and, and now you're basically, the level of, of uh, infection she had, they just dropped a nuclear bomb on her system. Like Man, and I was so upset because I worked so hard for my gut health, you know, and you work so, and that's the thing. It's a little disappointing too because, you know, you do all these things to keep yourself healthy and you know you've had good gut health and uh, you've kind of got all that rectified after maybe years before of having digestive issues. And then, boom, they come in and drop the nuclear bomb. And it wasn't just like, you know, a little bit of antibiotics. We're talking like, I've probably had enough. It was it was three stage four antibiotics. Three, Yeah, three of those. And, I mean, you know, pretty strong antibiotics. You have to be in the hospital to get them um, through an IV. And then... The interesting thing is how they sent me home. Right. So, so the, you know, the, the lung doctor had came in, uh, you know, like a second day and said, hey, your lungs sound great. Uh, you're, you're good to go home. But we were still waiting on um, enough antibiotics being in the system to where they would let her go home to, to think that, that it was fighting well. And, of course, when they sent her home, they gave her a, an oral antibiotic. <clears throat> so they come in and they're, they're talking about the antibiotic. 
And so as they're giving it to her, I'm looking it up on my phone because I, I recognize the antibiotic and I wanted to do some quick uh, research because I'm in other groups on uh, Facebook and we talk about different antibiotics and how it affects your body, how negatively it affects your body. So they're giving her a fluoroquinolone. Um, it was Levitrix. Levox. Levofloxacin. Levofloxacin. Yeah. Levoquin for the brand name. And there's three different levels of it that you can take. I'm on the highest dose. Right. So there's a lot of warnings that go along with that. So, uh, they, you know, they, they had already kind of given it to her to test it on her before uh, I could, I could, you know, uh, push back at all. But, but I did say, hey, can, I, can, I, can we get the doctor back in here so we can talk about this? And um, because I, I'm not real comfortable with this antibiotic. And we did. And, the, and so it's funny. We just asked the nurse that. And when the doctor came back in, uh, her first uh, sentence was, so I hear you're refusing to take antibiotics. And her second sentence was, if you don't take this, you have to stay in the hospital on IV. Right. With both of those statements are untrue. So uh, that's the thing. And, and the, the warnings on this uh, fluoroquinolone was um, the FDA has a black box warning. And it says, do not give this out for common infections, uh, urinary tract infections, the, you know, the common cold. Uh, that was the warning on it. And we understood this was not either of those. This, this was, a, was not a common infection. This was a serious infection. But we wanted to talk about alternatives outside the fluoroquinolone family. Um, and the doctor said specifically, this is a very common antibiotic. I prescribe it for everything, including urinary tract infections, which is exactly what the FDA says not to do. So this is when we talk about being your be your own best advocate with your physicians. This is where that comes in because I was giving, I was given no choice. Um, I was either going to stay in the hospital on an IV or go home with this fluoroquinolone, which I understand I was in a very serious situation. So you have to weigh the cost-benefit analysis on those things. Um, and I think had I not been a fair, a very healthy person going into this, I would be a lot more concerned if I already had any kind of like joint issues or um, any kind of other um well, if I didn't eat right, it would be a lot more dangerous for me. Let's just say eating a carnivore diet for the last two years, a primarily carnivore diet, has set me up for success with this where I'm not afraid of this antibiotic. Uh, I definitely am more afraid of a blood infection going haywire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, having the conversation with the doctor, she provided no alternatives. As in, this was a very common antibiotic that's prescribed all the time. And that's exactly what she's not supposed to do. And doing the research, there are anti there are uh, you know other antibiotics that she could have been given. Just this was the one the doctor wanted, and so she her her thing was either you take this or you stay in the hospital. I was ready to go home, man. I yeah. was ready to get out of there. <laughs> I was ready to get the IV out because it hurt so bad where they put it. So. You know, it was one of those things where it all happened very quickly there at the end. I was so ready to go home. I did take it. I'm still on it. I will say that if you have one of these antibiotics, be very aware of your symptoms that go along when you take it. Um, just watch yourself closely. Notice all the little things, new joint pains, uh, brain fog. Um, that's the only thing I've really experienced is about an hour after taking it. Within that hour, I have a little bit of brain fog that kind of goes away. Um, but I do feel a little spacey right after taking it, which is weird. You know, I don't, I haven't felt brain fog like that since I ate a lot of carbs. Now, one of the, uh, the major side effects of taking this antibiotic is, um, is, is, uh, mood change, mood disorders. Yeah. 
Um, so it, it can have effect, and, and that makes a lot of sense because you know we talk about all the time your your emotions and feelings come from your gut. That's where your your brain gets all its chemicals and develops emotions and feelings. So it, it makes sense that if you drop a nuclear bomb on your gut bacteria, it's going to change how you act. Right, it definitely can. I haven't really noticed a lot of. I haven't noticed a, you know any big mood change other than kind of feeling a little bit spacey. Uh, like I said, right after taking it. But another big side effect of this particular antibiotic and these fluoroquinolones is permanent nerve damage. So what I have noticed, and you guys are going to be interested in this, I'd started doing a lot of research because anything you go through, obviously it kind of opens the door from, for learning something new. And there's a term for these antibiotics called uh, floxed. You'll see hashtags floxy. I've been floxed, and they're all referring to damage done by these antibiotics. And I started looking at some of the profiles of the people who are claiming floxed or they, they, you know, that they've been floxed. Well, there are a lot of vegans, and it's really interesting because there's people who are like, I can't put more than one pound of pressure on my joints. My joints dislocate. I have permanent nerve damage, um, mood disorders. I, like They describe all the things that the antibiotic does. But here's the thing. They were already coming into this with like a lot of issues, health issues previously. I've done some research on some of these people. And just because I was concerned, you know, about taking this and knowing that I'm not that, you know, not that any, you know, anything can happen to anybody. But when you come in behind the curve already, you're so much more susceptible to some of these kinds of uh, reactions that happen. Right, and, and that's when we talk about, you know, being a vegan or a vegetarian is often a nutrient-deficient uh, diet that's going to put you behind the curve. So when you get, uh, you know, in a, in a situation where your body really needs to re- rely on, you know, its in-house stores to, to fix itself, and you don't have those, then you're going to see a lot of uh, detrimental effects from whatever you're doing. And so when they talk about, you know, my joints and tendons just kind of falling apart when you take these antibiotics. It's really for people that already have joint issues or they're already nutrient deficient. Right. So one of the one of the other you know side effects of this is Achilles tendon rupture, and um, you know people's tendons will just rupture, and that's not normal. So it was very interesting that my doctor, when she came in, did not warn me of any of these side effects. Said it was all. You know, those were very rare. When you start looking it up, it's not quite as rare as she says. And um, and there was nothing like, hey, it also depletes magnesium from your body. So you might want to take some extra magnesium and stay up on that. Also take extra vitamin C because of cartilage and joint health. These are things that I looked at immediately and saw as a nutritional therapy practitioner that I would tell somebody and um, it was just very interesting that there's no nutritional guidance at all to help the, you through it. The only guidance the doctor gave was to take a probiotic. I'm not sure she knows what that is. Right. Besides because, in a pill form. So here's the thing. While I'm taking this antibiotic that kills, it's a bactericidal antibiotic. It kills everything. There's nothing left, Right. There is no reason for me to take a normal probiotic because when I take it, it's just going to kill it. So that's like pouring money down the drain. Now, is there something that I can do? Absolutely. My goal would be to, you know, what I've done for myself is 
I have homemade sauerkraut. I might eat a little spoonful of that with my meal. I've done that once or twice. And there's a couple, there's one antibiotic in particular as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I would tell someone to take while on antibiotics away from the dosage. And it's called Saccharomyces boulardii, and it's not native to the human microbiome. So it is something that you can do while you're on an antibiotic, and it will help you kind of start re-inoculating. You can take it while you're on an antibiotic away from that dose. And there's just like so much information that was not given to me, but thankfully I know. So I was ahead of the curve there too. But if you get in that situation, you might not be you might you might not know that information, so you're gonna you're gonna need people to go to and forums and maybe a nutritional therapy practitioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and but you know that's a good point. Is even though uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're uh, disappointed that you had to take antibiotics because we feel like it's killing your good gut health. It's an opportunity to just rebuild gut health from scratch. Yeah. So uh, you know that what Melody's talking about is all the things you have to look at doing when you get out and start planning those things. Understand that. Uh, once I get out and I, you know, I'm on antibiotics, and even after I get off my antibiotics, how do I rebuild that strong gut for the future? And you know, and that's you know, right. looking at your keto carnivore type diets. Right. And so I'm just going to tell a little bit of TMI. Okay. Too much information here about poop. <laughs> so these antibiotics, every single one of them, the side effect is diarrhea. So I've had a fun time, and um, so there's it's just straight diarrhea. But here's the thing, when it kills all of your bacteria, how do you know all your bacteria is dead, Melody? Well, I have zero, you know when people say, my shit don't stink? <laughs> so maybe, I they're, have, maybe they're just on antibiotics. Maybe they're on antibiotics. Because I, when you kill all your gut bacteria, in case you don't know, that's what gives your poo smell. And when you don't have any bacteria, there's no smell. So that's interesting, right? I mean, I thought it was interesting. Very I'm weird like, and interesting. Because I thought maybe I'm just stopped up and I can't smell it. But no, it gives like it's killed all the bacteria and there's absolutely zero smell, which it's like, what? That's so weird. That's I've never experienced that before. And but knowing what I know about poop, it kind of makes sense. There's no bacteria, so there's no smell. Yeah. Interesting. That, yeah, very interesting. Ladies, don't go grab your men uh, fluoroquinolones to give to them <laughs> just so you can get rid of the smell. <laughs> so you can go to the restroom after they come out. So or, at least, or at least exist in the house. Right. Yeah, so so a lot of interesting things uh, that happened over the past few weeks. Uh, we, were, we were always disappointed that we weren't going to do a podcast because, uh, you know, we love getting on here talking about health because we had all the other holiday stuff, you know, visiting with family and what foods we ate over Christmas and, uh, you know, what we were doing to, to kind of stay on our diet. Well, none of that really mattered when we wound up in the hospital. No, and it can happen to anybody. And we're, our whole thing is we like to share our experience. And so this was a really interesting experience and it continues to be as I'm still on the antibiotic. And we want to pass that kind of information on to you because if you end up in a similar boat, you need to have that kind of knowledge so that when your doctor comes in and says, this is your only choice, you can go, wait, 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 wait. It's never an only choice. That's not my only choice. And you educate yourself, you know, make sure that you, you know, you ask questions. And, and the thing is, be ready for some pushback because 
I asked questions twice while in the hospital and got a very negative response both times. Because, they, don't, they don't like you asking questions. Yeah, I was basically just told, this is how it is. And, um, you know, when you're that sick, you kind of just like, thank God for Steve because he was able to ask a little bit more. And, it, I'm, you know, we still ended up going home with this because of the severity of it, but just so you have that kind of information. But it's good for you guys to know that for, for common infections, for something that's a low-level infection, you do not want to take a fluoroquinolone. It is way too strong of an antibiotic for just the normal infection. Now, you're going to have to assess that on how, with your doctor, how serious that is because, because yes. you know, we're not going to know, but you're going to have to, to, to know that. But if it's a, a urinary tract infection or just a common infection, you want to get something that's appropriate and yeah. not the strongest antibiotic on the market that, like our doctor said, that she prescribes for everything. Right, because it is a dangerous one, and you don't want it for just, you know, a common uh, sinus infection or urinary tract infection, like you said. You need to be aware of that, that this is, it is the most, Im- like, prescribed medication, so chances are, if you go to the doctor, you might be prescribed that, and you just need to be aware that you need to ask questions. Right. Now, on a, on a more positive note, something I realized today before we came on is this is our two-year carniversary. Yeah, I know. Thank God I've been doing this for two years because <laughs> my bounce back from this has been really good. Like, I sound kind of yucky, but I feel really good. And the, I have to kind of rein it in because I feel better than I probably need to act like I do because I want to go work out and do all these things. And I've been told by several people, just chill, especially you, chill out. You got time. Just let it get better. <laughs> and, but yeah, two years on carnivore. Basically, we've stayed 90 to 95% carnivore for two years. It's been miraculous. Yeah. And, and again, going back to just, you know, your lifestyle and your health, those things uh, are what going to help you through a health crisis. There's, that's what's going to get you through it is... The fact that you've been healthy up to this point, so now your body is in a position where it's ready for battle. Like, you got all the gear. Yeah, and you know, I, if you've listened to us, you know I've given this tip several times about having that bone broth in your freezer for just such an occasion. Guys, I'm not kidding. I had the bone broth, and I was so glad that I did for when I came home from the hospital with not much appetite, and I could sip on that salty bone broth with my Redmond's real salt in it and really rehydrate and and that's so good for your gut health and those are tips like that's that's totally carnivore just you know make sure you have some of that stuff eat well make sure you have things like that in your freezer ready to go it's it's so helpful yeah and and another thing cool about carnivore what you know while she was in the hospital of course i was going to the hospital and then coming back and making sure our son had had food to eat and then eating myself and then going back to the hospital so when you're back and forth what made it really easy was my food choices i knew exactly what i was going to eat i knew i was going to cook a steak cook some hamburgers i was going to eat that and then i was going to leave yeah and it, it just takes a lot of those questions that extra stress of what am I going to eat or I don't have to prepare a big meal. I don't have to get fast food, you know, right. all no those fast things. food, no, no, no massive food prep, no having to cook these huge meals. Um, I eat steak, our son eats a lot of hamburger, uh, you know, and some sausage and all the other kind of stuff and, and, you know, lunch meats. So he had, had all, all the food he needed for, uh, him being, and you know, he had to spend a lot of time at home by himself because we were at the hospital. So, it was easy for us to manage that uh, being carnivore. Absolutely. It's just, 
It takes a lot of the stress away. Mm-hmm. Plus, it makes you super healthy. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I'm and I'm I'm just a guy like most guys. I don't I don't cook. I'm not a I'm not a, uh, a you know someone who's going to cook a large meal. But cooking a steak and cooking some hamburgers is it's so easy, uh, you know. And while I was home, I was I was thinking about that, and I was teaching my son who's 16. Is like, hey, here's how you cook a steak. Here's how you cook hamburgers. So if something happens and we're not home and you need to eat, and that's what's in the fridge, you're able to cook that. And that's that's so easy because they don't have to be stressed about. Like all these different components of a meal, it's just very, very simple. Yeah, I was, I was joking. I was telling him when I left the house at, you know, eighteen years old, uh, the only foods that I could prepare again, I, I don't want to use the word cook because that that does not fall in this category. Is I mainly ate sandwiches, uh, frozen pizza, and chunky soup. None yeah. of those are really are real foods. Nope. And that's pretty much all I ate aside from the fast food that I got out, and that's how prepared I was. As a young adult, not not even really an adult, um, as far as preparing food, and so make sure you prepare your kids for that. Make sure they learn how to cook eggs and bacon and steak and hamburger and sausage and all that thing, so they can cook the minimal things they need to survive. Right. And on the next note, you've been doing something for the last few weeks that I think everybody will find interesting. This is one of the things I wanted. I really wanted to talk about over the break was I got a a red light. I got a huga light. Huga. Huga. There's multiple ones. There's Juve is the most popular one, but Huga has one on Amazon that's pretty cheap, and it's red light therapy and near IR, so it's near red light therapy. So it has both of them combined, which is really what you want. So yeah, I've I've seen them forever, and I really wanted one. And uh, a buddy of mine on Facebook, uh, James Goyette, he's a, a personal trainer, kind of like me. Uh, and he does all kinds of, he's always into the health thing and he'd been using one for his back pain and he said it really helped. So he kind of convinced me that to, to walk down that road and go ahead and purchase one because it was like $200. It wasn't super expensive because the Juve ones were like a thousand dollars. Of course they're full body and all that other stuff, but I've been using it. Um, it boosts testosterone. It boosts mitochondrial production. Uh, I've been using it on my head, on my hair, because, uh, if, you, if anybody has seen those, those laser, hats they use those are red light therapy that's the same thing uh those are like 700 bucks this is like 200 dollars. so uh different but so far i've been pretty excited about the results yeah i mean i told you uh, this morning your hair looks thicker it felt thicker the last couple you know i've been doing this for probably mm, i got the week before christmas so we're going in three weeks now yeah um so i've been Trying to consistently use it every day. Not only uh, not only do I stand naked in front of this thing. It's very entertaining. <laughs> because it's supposed to help boost testosterone when you have red light therapy on your gooey parts. Um, so, and then also, but I, really my face. That's what I want to use on is my face because I have some some skin issues on my face from just previous you know damage that uh, that I want to get better. And I've I've heard that red light therapy will help that, so right. I've been using it on that, and it's my face is looking healthier and a little better. And I've been using it on my head, and my hair feels fuller. It's really weird. Right, it's awesome. You know, you just said something that I wanted to mention with the fluoroquinolone antibiotics. That was a, the biggest part of it, and I don't know how I forgot about this, but that it destroys mitochondria. Destroys mitochondria. So you know that. Mitochondrial health, that's, that's you know, what you want. That's the powerhouse of your cell. And the one thing that the, these fluoroquinolones do is it damages the mitochondria and the DNA. So 
it, that is another thing that even though I'm super healthy, or I think I'm super healthy, which is funny because they did come back every time and say, all your other blood work looks great. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they said that every time. They were like, all your other blood work except for this blood infection looks great. And I was like, cool. But because it causes mitochondrial damage, I, I had also been doing the light, like right for the week, the whole week I had been kind of having the cold. And I had been doing it on my chest and on my face. And I just wonder if that helped me also get over this faster but I'm also doing a couple of other things to boost mitochondrial health, which we've talked about before. I do exogenous ketones every single day, and they boost mitochondrial health. Mm-hmm. They bring more oxygen to the cells, which right now the medication I'm on actually prohibits that, like actually breaks that down. You know, it's kind of, that's kind of scary. It you is. know, that kind of like, that's a little, it's a, basically it's a, a rapid aging antibiotic, so it rapidly ages your cells. So I'm trying to mitigate all that with the way I eat, the exogenous ketones, and then. But right now I'm not doing the red light therapy because I have been a little um, concerned about doing that since this makes me photosensitive, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how this. I haven't done the research yet to see if this would affect that. Right. But I can't get out in the sun while I'm on this antibiotic, so I'm also taking vitamin D. Uh, D3. So these are all really important things. You know, the red light therapy, if you can afford it, is such a great tool uh, for mitochondrial health, just overall well-being. It also helps with sleep and mood. But, you know, also the exogenous ketones, and I'm going to say it, you know, every time about something like this, some people don't care for them. They don't think they're necessary. I'm just hedging my bet on them right now, and I feel better when I take them. And whether they're actually doing what they say they do or not, I feel like they are. I always feel more energetic and feel better. Mm-hmm. So, If you want to do more research on ketones, like I said, we take them every day. We believe in them. Go to tacticalketones.com. That's our website. Yeah. Um, you can, And there's a lot of research. Click on the Learn tab. There's a lot of research there that, that will talk about uh, the benefits of taking ketones. Yeah, and there is a lot of research on mitochondrial health, which is obviously very important to me right now, and which is why I definitely take them every day. Yep. And do the best you can when you can. That's what we always say. And when you're in a health crisis, uh, it's it's all um, you know, all troops on deck. Everybody's fighting, and we're doing everything we can to make sure that Melody's getting better. Yep, I'm doing it. Just got to keep me off the barbell for a little while longer, I guess. So we'll <laughs> yeah. see. I might get out there today. But we, hey, we do appreciate everybody reaching out while we were in the hospital and uh, you know giving us their uh, you know their their get wells, their, their get prayers, wells, all their, that good stuff. Their you know you know uh, positive thoughts, all that stuff. We really do appreciate it. And and once again, we, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We're here to help everybody along on this journey. So if you've got questions, make sure you reach out and ask them. This was a big event, and we expect people to have some pretty significant questions. Yes. Hopefully, you don't find yourself in this same situation. No, hopefully not. All right. Well, I think that does it for this week. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great new year, and we will talk to you later. This is 2020. <laughs> Oh, go eat fat and prosper, by the way. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. 
Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.